0: People of Earth, what up? Um, It's Josh coming at you with another episode of Good Humans. Uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear this one. I'm always excited for you guys to hear the episode, so I'm going to keep saying it, though. Um, But my friend Brad uh, was on the episode this week, and we talked about uh, his military uh, service and experience, um, and uh, also his his experience in uh, the cult in which uh, I grew up, um, and he grew up in as well uh, and what it was like, um, to grow up that way, um, to go directly from that to the military, um, and then his experience in the military and how that sort of shaped, uh, some of his thinking and just what it was like. Um, I think it's important. Uh, I said this on the podcast, but I I think it's important. I, I'm not, we didn't talk about Brad's military, military service because I'm trying to get like juicy, content for the podcast or anything. I just think it's important for, um, veterans to, to have a voice. And I think it's important for civilians to understand, um, uh, the other side of things and sort of, of know what the experience is like. And, um, just to kind of see, uh, through the, the perspective and the lens of a veteran for a little bit. Um, I just think it's healthy perspective. For us to have, um, and I, I don't feel like veterans get enough uh, of a voice sometimes, and so um, I was really happy to have Brad on um, and talk about some of his experiences. Brad's a super good dude, um, good head on his shoulders, um, and we're good friends. grew up together, so uh, I was happy to have him on. Um, so I, I really, um, I appreciate his time, and I'm, I'm really excited for you guys to hear uh, what he has to say. He mentioned a. Uh, charity um, during the episode, didn't have the name of it. um, And so I wanted to make sure that I shouted it out here uh, before we get into the episode. There are going to be links in the episode description as well. So if you guys want to check some of the stuff out, um, by all means, please do that. But uh, he mentioned a charity that trains service dogs for veterans uh, at no cost, And so I wanted to shout them out because I think they're doing really, really awesome work, and it's really cool. Uh, So it's Patriot Paws is the name of the organization, uh, and their website is PatriotPaws.org. And their mission, it's very simple. They just say the mission of Patriot Paws is to train and provide service dogs of the highest quality at no cost to disabled American veterans and others with mobile disabilities and post-traumatic stress disorder in order to help restore their physical and emotional independence. Patriot pause intends to build partnerships with local state and national organizations to help develop and support this goal. So, um, awesome, awesome mission. Very, very cool. Um, what they're doing. And so I wanted to make sure that I, uh, named that organization so that you guys know, uh, who we're talking about, but also, um, told you a little bit about them because they're doing really good work. And if you want to get involved, uh, I'm sure they would appreciate any kind of help, uh, that you might want to send their way. So, um, I think that's pretty much it. Um go to the website goodhumanspod.com, um get free stickers if you haven't already. Um I do have uh some other charity stuff uh that I'm going to be telling you guys about pretty soon. Um a charity that I'm really really passionate about that that we're going to be working with. Um hopefully uh starting as early as early next year. Um which is like a week and a half away. It's crazy. So yeah, I am very excited about that. Um I'm going to stop rambling. Uh, but I just wanted to tell you guys a little bit, uh, about that organization Patriot pause and what they do and, and all that good stuff. So, um, I don't have anything else to plug. So, uh, check out the episode and, um, check out the episode description for some links and, and more information and all that good stuff. All right, get into it. See you guys. Hello, people of Earth, and welcome back to Good Humans. This is a podcast about exploring better ways to be human. I'm talking really fast, and I'm going to slow it down. My name is Josh. Hi, everyone. And uh, I have a guest with me today, um, and that is uh, Brad Reichelt. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Um, So I'm just going to keep an eye on this. Okay, I think we're good. I think we should be fine we're just going to let this happen and see where it goes and i'm not going to worry i'm just going to i'm going to close this screen a little bit i'm not going to worry about what's happening on there we're just going to go for it
1: sounds good um so it's brad strange staring you in the eyes like this though
0: i know we're going to have a lot of intense eye contact this whole time <laughs> that's very weird um brad and i grew up together uh yeah we grew up together we were we were kids together for a very long time most people are kids for a long time. That's how life works. You're at a kid at, at least a not. couple years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, back in good old New Jersey, Central ish New Jersey, Central South New Jersey. Uh, and so, yeah, we we go way, 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 way back. And then didn't just sort of like lost touch for a while, a few years. Um, yeah, and here we are. We've hung out a couple times in the last couple months. And it's been nice, so I thought we'd get Brad on the podcast, just open him up, and and see what's going on in that brain.
1: You're kind of staring at me like I need to say something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can say anything you want whenever you want. Um, no, so uh, Brad and I. Um, so the last time you and I hung out was actually the first time I think we'd seen each other in a while. Yeah, it was probably and several uh, years. So we got some drinks and like. Ended up talking Found out like We're We have some similar Thoughts On Quite a few things Um And it's just It's nice to like Catch up with somebody that Just you aliens
1: and, and stuff That's all Yeah
0: Aliens and And uh And Area 51 And all that <laughs> stuff Um But it's nice to catch up With somebody that you Like grew up with And like We grew up a very Specific way Um In a very Closed off Sort of Environment uh, and it's just, it's nice to catch up with people that have the same experiences and have sort of like started exploring other ideas.
1: Yes, so, it is. Yeah.
0: Um, so we did that. And then, uh, you were also in the military. So I figured we'd like maybe talk on a podcast and just see what you think about things. I, you're the first vet I think I've had on the podcast to my oh, knowledge. That's
1: good. So you should definitely find more.
0: So you are Veterans are crazy. <laughs> that's one of the things I want to talk about, Brad. Uh but you just no pressure. You're just you're you are the perception of you're you're just you're bearing the weight of 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 representing all veterans. Wow. On this podcast. So no that's pressure, but that's yeah. what's happening right now. Um no, so usually what I do is I just sort of turn it over to whomever is the guest and I always just say tell us what we should know about you. Like if you were at a dinner party and you had to introduce yourself to somebody,
1: how, like, how would you introduce yourself? Just tell us whatever we, well, should I would, know. I would start with my name. Okay. Um, at dinner parties, I don't typically <laughs> divulge any more information than that. Okay.
0: That's fair. If you had to though,
1: <laughs> if I had to, yeah, like somebody, so if someone was like, what are you, what are you all about? Like, what do you, you know, uh, I work a lot. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't like meeting new people. Okay. Cool. <laughs> that, that's that's about all there is to me. <laughs> cool. All right.
0: Um so you that's all there is to you now maybe. But you've you've had you've had a lot of life experience that most people haven't had.
1: Probably you've had more a few life things. experience
0: than the than the years of life. That you've been living I feel like you, your experience is like You know Is beyond like your age
1: I Probably think. quite a bit I don't know why when you were doing that It made me think of how rappers love to say they have money By saying my money long I don't know why I It was like you were saying that My, my experience, experience is long, long. <laughs> like, I don't know why <laughs> That's what it made me think of You've never heard that I've money never, long Yeah I oh, don't Oh
0: man I, To be honest I don't listen to it to we're, we're
1: gonna music. Bust out some two chains later. he will okay, hear perfect. We're going to smoke some long. cigars and listen to some two chains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so, as long as we can get some, uh, little yachty in there too. Oh, uh, I don't
1: little know boat. about all that.
0: Um, so, uh, but like specifically the experience that, that I'm talking about is like, you're obviously like the experience growing up in, um, what I have not been shy about calling a cult. Um, and then, uh, sort of going, almost right from that into the military. Right. Um, uh, yes, pretty much. Yep. Um, and then transitioning back, like from military back to quote unquote civilian life. Um, so I, I kind of want to talk about like some of that, whatever you're okay with talking about.
1: Um, Yeah. I actually think that, um, we didn't necessarily grow up in the same quote cult. I feel like we did, but we didn't. And that, uh, I watched a lot of Disney movies while I was a child. Um, you were
0: allowed to watch. There Lion were, a, King. there were, yes, there were a few
1: differences. Yeah. So, um,
0: so I. I'd I like should, to think of
1: it as my parents had a little bit more of an open mind. I maybe. was going to
0: say I should I should say because I, I love your parents very dearly, and I should I should qualify this by saying your parents were were and are very very nice people. Yeah, uh, and not as extreme as most of the people that we knew. I think that's I. I think that's very accurate yes. yes so yeah that's that's a good call clarifying <laughs> that mr and mrs Rykel, i love you <laughs> i think you're great um but yeah just like the the influence of it and everything it's just like it's a crazy way it's just a crazy way to grow up like with those ideas and and all that junk yes so i guess where we can start if you're okay with it is like growing up with that Um, until what, how old are you when you, when you joined up?
1: Um, 18 or 19. It was in the end of 2006.
0: Okay. So like pretty much right out of high school.
1: Yeah. I would have been 18.
0: So growing up with that until like right up until like you joined up, what was the can, like we talked about this a little bit last time we hung out But like can you talk about like What Like what led up to the decision to like Join up Um And then Like how did that live How did your How did your motivation and like perception of it Before you joined and then like your experience after Like did those match up at all
1: Yeah so I was actually going to uh The college In Crown Point and was not feeling it. Yeah, it was like a couple of weeks in. Oh, you had enrolled. Oh, yes. I think I forgot that. I had a couple of weeks that I was going there um definitely not feeling it. Way out of place. And uh I had a really cro- close friend, Moses uh, Figueroa, and I don't think he'll mind that I name-dropped. Um we were kind of sitting in church one night, texting back and forth and uh he had made a comment about wanting to leave or just, you know, leave the area. And I was like, Oh man, actually, you know, I've been thinking about doing the same thing. And I don't remember which one of us brought up joining, you know, the army. Uh, but one of us did. And the other one was like, Oh dude, I'm telling you, that's literally what I've been thinking about. So, uh, right there in church while texting, we were like, <laughs> okay, we're going to go home and we're going to tell our parents, like we're going to bob this drum bombshell on them. And, uh, Let's do it. So Moses has a very traditional uh, Hispanic family. I'm pretty sure they're Mexican, but I don't want to upset <laughs> anybody if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, so we both go home and, you know, I get home and I'm telling my mom and dad, you know, I got to tell you something. And um, so I remember I was sitting on my parents' bed and my mom was sitting there. And my dad was kind of standing in the doorway and I told him, hey, um, I'm going to join the army.
0: Did you, was there like any and, lead uh, up or did you No, nope, like, I was just, I gotta tell in. you guys something.
1: Okay. And <laughs> that, like, that was it. Bam, dropped hammer. <laughs> and, uh, my dad just kind of walked away. Like, didn't really say nothing. Just kind of walked away. Didn't really want to talk about nothing. Um, and my mom was more, uh, about asking questions. She kind of had a bunch of questions. And, uh, so I'm talking with my mom and my phone starts ringing. It was Moses. And I was like, mom, I gotta take this. Like he's telling his parents now. So I answer the phone and he's kind of like halfway laughing, and he goes, did you tell him? And I said, yeah, I'm sitting here with my mom now. And I could hear his parents yelling at him in the <laughs> background. Like, I could hear him yelling. He's like, I told him. He's like, it didn't go well, but we're still good. We're we're still on? And I'm like, yeah, man, we're good. <laughs> so we hung up, and you know, he had all that to deal with. And uh, we we were both still enrolled in the college at that point. But it was like, I mean, we were skipping chapel. We were kind of yeah. leaving early pretty much every day. Um, leading up to that And then you know How it often is In the IFB movement Like you know You drop a bombshell like that Oh well we want you to go And talk to this person Yeah In the church Usually uh, Yeah so, usually uh, like a
0: A leader Like a pastor Or a US
1: Yeah or a so or um, In order for us to Unenroll in the college They insisted that we talk to um, He was somebody High up in there He was in the military Back in the day Vogel Oh okay And I want to say He was out of town If I'm not mistaken, like he wasn't there. So they had us talk with somebody else who didn't really, I don't remember who it was. They didn't really know what they were doing. And it was just kind of like, it wasn't a question. Like me and Moses, this is what we're doing. We were adults. You weren't looking for guidance.
0: You were. Um,
1: It was more like, we'll play your game. Yeah. And, you know, that's about it. So we got out of there and his parents insisted that he go and talk to Freddie Deanda. Um, So I went in. With him It was Hey We're who, in this together Like this who is Freddie it was the, the The Spanish church Spanish pastor. church pastor Correct yeah. um, So we're sitting there You know He was kind of talking And um, I don't remember exactly How it came up But basically He was like You know well, are you, Why don't you Why don't you guys Go talk to Jack Scott Who was our pastor At the time And he's like And Whatever he tells you I'll back up And that's kind of it And we were like Okay So we kind of left And we were like Man We were way more worried to talk to Freddie, not worried like he was going to tell us no, because it didn't really matter at that point. Our minds were made up. Um, But it would make it easier on our parents if somebody from the church was kind of on our side a little bit. So we're like, okay, man, that was nothing. Like Moses told his parents, hey, he told us to talk to Jack Scott, and that's where we're going to go. So we go. My dad was a security guard there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he got us. Anytime I wanted to talk to the pastor, like my dad got us in there real quick because he'd seen him several times every day. So it was kind of quick. So we get in there and, uh, I will keep some of the references and things that were said to myself. Um, but the meeting did not go anywhere near what we planned. Um, he did not even remotely say anything to try to get us out of doing it. He did not try to talk us out of it. Um, did not, Reference even the slightest bit that it was a bad idea um he did have some very interesting words if Moses ever listens to this, I know he knows what I'm talking <laughs> about um f y i two thousand six Jack Scott said that Hillary Clinton was probably going to be president one day. I didn't even know who Hillary Clinton was at the time, but we she almost, did run, and she almost was almost got there. It. I mean. We almost got it. So, um, also to, to provide a
0: little context, this is, this is Jack Scott is the pastor of was, yeah, it was well, the, the time pastor. that you're talking yes. to him. That's yes, correct. He's the pastor of the, I think the world's largest independent fundamental Baptist church.
1: Oh yeah. I think that's um, accurate.
0: Definitely like the, the epicenter of the, the whole cult and movement. Um, like, Thou- like thousands, not like the biggest church in the world for sure, but like the biggest one of its kind in the world, and like five to six thousand people attending on like a Sunday morning, like he- like tons of like multi millions of dollars, like in and out, like tons of money, and like a church that's been around for a very long time, still is there, but now, right now, at this moment, Jack Skop is in jail for um. Abusing a, a minor sexually abusing a minor. So like this is this is the man that we're talking about that you're and of course Nobody knew any of this back then or at least most right. people did not know right about Most this people did then. not know. Yes. Um, yeah, so this is the guy that you're talking to like and he has some interesting choice words, which I I I feel like I know what you're talking about because I experienced a few of those myself in yeah. talking to him.
1: But yeah, yeah, so you know, we get out and we're kind of like me and Moses are kind of like looking at each other, walking down the hallway. And we're like, he's going to stop us any minute and like tell us he was kidding and like try and talk us out of going. And you know, we walked out, got in our car and we just kind of sat there and we were like, huh? Well, I guess that's everything that our parents told us we had to do before we uh, did this thing. So that was it. We went over.
0: Was there a moment at that point where you were like, okay, now it's real, I guess.
1: You know what? At the time we, uh, It was kind of funny, and I'm sure most young people who have ever signed a military contract of any kind can attest to the same type of feelings. But we were—I mean, we were young and dumb anyway, so you get that feeling like you're untouchable and you're Superman and this and that. And I'll tell you what, for probably two weeks, at least two weeks, all we did was drive around and listen to the radio. I'm talking every penny we could scrape together— to put gas in the car Like that is all we did We wake up in the morning Hey bro I'm on my way to your house Alright cool We had a radio in the car That was it Like um, So yeah It was all Pretty good at that point uh, We went in and signed our contracts We had You know A couple weeks before we were Going anywhere I want to say it was Probably a little bit over a month Month and a half maybe um, Until we were leaving Um, I do actually have a couple Interesting things that went on while we were going through all of that signing our contracts and getting our physicals and all that stuff like what like during like during so, the process of actually enlisting yeah so we we had had in our head yeah man we're going to join together we're going to go to basic training together we're going to share a bunk like you know if we're going to get done come back we're going to be in the same unit if we get deployed you know, I got your back, you got mine, all that good stuff. Well, that's not how stuff works, number one. Right. Um. But one thing that Jack Scobb had told us that we actually promised ourselves that this is how we were going to do it is he looked at both of us and told us, do not do this just because he's doing it. Make sure that you want to do it for you and that you're not doing it for each other because things can happen and get weird and... You need to make sure that this is not, you know, you're not going to be mad at him. He's not going to be mad at you. Um, so actually, we got that um, little bit of news when we were trying to get security clearances. And uh, I won't get too much into it for his part. Um, but basically, the things that we found out meant that we both had to pick a different job. We were not going to go to the same place for basic training. We would not be in the same unit. Um, that was it. And we were sitting in the office and as soon as the guy told us we like looked at each other and we were like, Damn, like this is exactly what he told us and we promised ourselves that we were doing this for us. Yeah. So yeah, we're still in. We're good. So uh it was interesting. Okay.
0: So then um So then you enlist like and it's it's not like at least what I understand. Enlisting is not like you walk in, sign a paper, and you're like property of United States of America until such and such date. Like there's like a process to it, right? Like you Yeah, so there's a whole lot of stuff. Then- so
1: you go in and uh what's actually funny is Moses actually had some time that he was a recruiter for a little bit um recently. And uh he was telling me he was like, You have no idea how um that never happens. Like two of us walked in and said, Look, our minds made up. What do we have to do to sign a contract? Like, we're in, you don't gotta do no hard sale, like this is it. Two of us. <laughs> and Moses was like, bro. And nobody ever like does that. that guy hit the jackpot that day. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Which I think is kind of funny. Um so, yeah, so you go in, you know, hey, we want to join, okay, you know, and they, you know, talk you up. Recruiters, they're salesmen. It's no mm-hmm. different than, you know, car salesmen trying to get you into a different car and whatnot. Um, so we're in there and, you know, you got to take a – I actually want to say in the recruiter's office they had us pee cup. And they had a – it was kind of like a quick little test they could do to make sure, like, there's no point in going through this process, driving up to Chicago to take a test and this and that if you were smoking weed out in the parking lot. Yeah. Um. So we did that. They told us, okay, well, we're going up there on this day. So we went back. We went up there. I want to say there were five of us, me, Moses, and three other people. Um. So we're riding up there, whatever uh, bullshitting in the car on the way up there. Recruiters, they don't care. They're driving GSAs, which are government vehicles. They drive however they want. Most of the time cops will like let them off. If they get pulled over or whatever. Right. Like they were driving pretty crazy. So we get up there and we're taking a test and me and Mo's were walking up there and these other three people are like nervous. They're like, man, you know, I didn't do good in school. This and that. I mean, most was like, yo bro, I'll bet you 20 bucks. I can get done before you can get done. Like, <laughs> Like, not even a little bit worried. I don't know. We didn't really know what we were getting into either. Like, yeah. there was no yeah. real explanation. So we took the ASFAB, and uh, we get out. And I want to say that Moses finished a little bit before me. Uh, but I did score higher. All right. Um, <laughs> but it was literally, the question pops up on the computer. If we knew the answer, we clicked it. If we didn't know the answer, we were just fucking pushing a button and yeah, moving on to the next question. So there were probably a lot that I was just, guessing. Is it a hard correctly. test or like, I don't even remember. Oh. I, I could not tell you. I want to say there were some words like, uh, they would give you a definition oh. and then they list a couple words and you're supposed to pick which one means that definition or something. That's the only thing I can come up with in my head. I can't remember anything else.
0: Is it like, is it for screening or are they, are they basically Oh no, your... there's an actual
1: school or there's an actual score. There's actually several scores, um, that shows what your, um, the different things that you're good at, and they oh, also like an aptitude. Yep. Okay. They type those scores into a computer, and it'll tell you well they're qualified for these jobs.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, so we but get you out. Didn't know that's
0: what was happening at the time. We
1: we knew that that's kind of what it was supposed to be. Like okay. we thought it was just kind of you pass or you don't. We didn't quite realize that if we did really well, we could probably pick a better job. So okay. anyway. We get done, we're walking out, and we're like, yeah, bro, you know, whatever. I don't remember if we got our test score right then or if it was later. I think we got it right then, because I, if I remember correctly, uh, the chick that was in there scored a 7, okay? So to pass, you got to get like a 21, which is pretty low. Um, and this chick scored a 7. <laughs> That's like you got your name correct. Like I don't <laughs> even know how you do a 7. Um. I I don't remember my exact score. Um, I want to say I was somewhere in the 70s, and I was actually kind of upset with myself later in my career because I kind of wished I had tried. Just so that I knew what I could have scored, maybe it would have opened up different jobs. Um, in the Army, at least, I know you can try and take it a second time. Hmm. Um, like, if you're trying to get a different job, you can go and take it a second time, but that's it. And I never did that because it didn't really matter. Huh. But
0: So then... And then after that, like, what? where's the point of no return?
1: So after that, um, they had given us – I don't know if you have to score um, a certain point on your uh, physical test that we did. Um, I just know that they had told us if we had scored so high, we'd get, like, an extra rank right off the bat. Oh, nice. So we're like, oh, yeah, let's do it. We're 18. Like, yeah, yeah whatever. Let's go run two miles. And I was terrible. Like, it was <laughs> terrible. Uh, our recruiter still wrote it down that we both passed, nice. but we did not indeed pass. Um, it was the run. We, we were fine on everything else, the run. Um, I want to say I fell by like eight or ten seconds or something stupid. But And then. So after, after that, the- they kind of got the paperwork together. And actually, we didn't think of anything at the time. After Moses was a recruiter, they actually split us up and had one recruiter sign one of us up and the other one signed somebody else up and that's because they have to meet a quota like they have to sign up so many oh. people and just two happen to walk in and the one guy was just being nice he so was like hey he why don't like, you sign you up back, this buddy. other guy yeah oh,
0: okay so like is there so you you get all like you take all your tests you do your physical all that stuff they're like okay you're qualified you're not like you're not too dumb and too out of shape to be in the military so then is there a point at which they're like Okay. If if you sign here, like there's no you you're not going back. Like you Yeah, officially... there is.
1: Um I don't know exactly where that was at. Somewhere in there we also had to go up to what they call MEPS. I don't know what it stands for, MEPS up here in Chicago, and it's like an actual physical um with doctors and stuff. Military evaluation. <sighs> Physical standards. Standard. There you go. That's it. I bet Dude, that's it. Done. <laughs> we probably could have googled it in like ten <laughs> seconds. Um, so we do that. You know, you spend the night up here, and that was all kind of weird and a blur. Um, but yeah, then they officially gave you a date. I want to say, I want to say, I left on January third, and uh, Moses left on January sixth or seventh or something. It was a couple days after me.
0: And then so you headed out where where did you ship out to?
1: So um my recruiter came to my house and I don't know if this is how it always goes. I think it's normally, hey, here's your bus ticket, bro. Like yeah. you're on your own. But my recruiter actually came and picked me up from my house, um, and dropped me off at the uh Greyhound station right there on forty one in Highland. Okay. And uh that's where I left out. If he stopped and got me Taco Bell and what a nice uh, guy. I was, yeah, I was sitting on the Thing, uh eating some tacos. The bus took me. I don't even again that was all a blur. The bus took me someplace and I got on a plane. And then when it landed in the airport, uh there were guys there waiting for us. And, and then we got on another bus. And I wanna I think my basic training it was Fort Benning. I think that's Georgia. Okay, yeah. Um, because I was also at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I think that was my first military yeah. school.
0: So and then it's so at this point, like, do you know what what job you're? Yeah. Going so for, we had or... picked,
1: and um, what's funny is we had both picked. I actually did the job that me and Moses had both picked, uh, but it had nothing to do with what our recruiter told us that it it was. Um, so we chose <laughs> civil affairs. Right? They got okay. these cool little videos, like what you see on TV, the commercials and stuff. So we chose civil affairs because our recruiter told us that they were basically military police. Okay. Um, like badge and all civil affairs. That's military police. Um, do you know what civil affairs is? I, I'm guessing it's not military police. It's not military nope. police. Okay. So, civil affairs, um, after we did this school, I actually changed shortly after, like a year after I got out of the school, I changed jobs and went somewhere else. Um, so, civil affairs is basically um, like PR for the United States. Mm. So everybody I've talked to in civil affairs, um, they get to do some pretty cool stuff. Um, Most civil affairs deploy with, like, special forces, Marines, uh, Rangers, something like that. Um, A lot of the guys I talked to that had deployed, um, a lot of the lower enlisted guys were just Humvee drivers for, like, generals and stuff, um, Mm -hmm. generals and colonels. Um, But they did a lot of, uh, like... They didn't really stay on military bases. They would just kind of like go into a town and be like, hey, this house is ours now. And again, I don't know how much of that is true. This is just from guys that I had talked to. Uh, But a lot of them didn't even wear a uniform while deployed. A lot of them didn't shave and cut their hair and stuff when Mm -hmm. deployed. Um, I'm sure every instance is slightly different. Um, So, yeah, civil affairs, they did a lot of passing out soccer balls, passing out food and water to random people on deployments. Oh, gotcha. So they were like, which is a far. Stretch from military police. That is pretty. That's not even close. (laughs) Not even close. So they're 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 pretty much the like the uh, liaison. Yeah. yeah, Hey, uh, those Marines over there ran over your cow with a tank. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What do we got to do to make this so you're not mad at us? Yeah. They're the they're the fixers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, which I'm I'm sure is very needed. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you and then you ended up
1: switching from that directly to like. Yeah, yes, so electrical. when we, when me and Moses had actually joined, we joined in the Army Reserve, and um, after I'd gotten back, I really wasn't digging it. I went to a couple of drills, wasn't really feeling it, um, which is kind of a bullshit thing to <laughs> say, but um, so I ended up talking to a recruiter. Me and Moses actually decided we were going to go active. We were going to try and switch. Now that he had been in, we were going to try and switch, get the same job, get stationed in the same place, and see what we could do, and um so he went to talk to his commander, and they signed off right away. Um, I went to talk to my commander, and there were a couple of weeks were going by. They wouldn't sign, wouldn't sign. Um, finally, I went in, and I was talking to a National Guard recruiter. And um, he was like, oh, bro, we got all these aviation jobs, man. You want to work on helicopters? And I was like, dude, that sounds awesome. He went into my unit, and then my commander signed on the spot. So hmm. I don't know, I don't know what the deal was other than – Things just work out yeah. the way they're supposed to. Um, but yeah, they had my, my paper. All they had to do was one signature, and I would have been active duty huh. doing who knows what. And yeah, the, for the National Guard, they walked right in. He signed it right there, and I was transferred. In. Probably, probably good for you. Probably. Well, I mean, in the moment, probably. But I got my orders to get deployed while I was still in school. For working on helicopters, so it was yeah. kind of six of one, half dozen the
0: other. Yeah, yeah. But who knows? Like, if you had gone active from the reserves, who knows? Like, you might have been inventory for all you know, right?
1: No, I would have been. Um, or, I would. I would have been able to pick a job. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I probably would have never met my wife.
0: Yeah, pretty interesting. Crazy. So how how did because I'm sure you had a perception of it before you got in. How how did the actual experience and your perception beforehand match up, if at all?
1: Um, so Basic was pretty close. Um, pretty close to what you would think. I'm trying to think of any movies that I've seen. Um, I mean... As far as a drill sergeant goes, probably full metal jacket is pretty <laughs> pretty okay. close to accurate. Um, now, the way they do it, so um, in our barracks, we had, I don't know, maybe 50 guys, 60 guys. And uh, we had three drill sergeants just for our platoon. And we didn't know this till the end when we were graduating, but they all switch what they do each cycle every time they get a new group of guys. So we had one drill sergeant who was just a dick. We had one guy who was really cool with everybody, and then we had one guy that was somewhere in the middle, but made sure you were doing the right thing. And um, as we were getting ready to graduate, it was like the night before graduation. They let us ask any questions, and sure enough, they switch. Like the roles the, they play. No, they switch like the personality that yeah, they are yeah, yeah, at yeah. the next time. Yeah, so we oh, thought crazy. that was kind of weird, like to kind of keep that straight. Um, huh. But yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. It wasn't too bad. And then, like, what about, um,
0: was it like, was there, I know, like, part of it was like, just, you just wanted to be out of where you were, like, signing up. Was there, was there the part of you that was like, oh, like, I'm, I'm going to go do my
1: duty, like, for my country? Like, was it, was like, yeah, was there absolutely. Any of that to it? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I've thought about it ever since I was a kid, and I had an uncle who served, my grandpa served. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, nine eleven had a lot to do with it. Which yeah, yeah. we won't get too much into that, or my yeah. thoughts on that and whatnot. And you, um, you enlisted in two thousand
0: six. Two thousand six. En- that was yeah. just that was five years after. Yeah. Nine eleven. That was it's still pretty fresh.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, I had something else I was going to say, and now. And we. I completely that spaced. was
0: still. We still had we still had W,
1: right? Yeah, George W was still yes. president in two thousand six. Yep. Yeah, um, Obama took office, I believe, when I was in Iraq in oh eight. Um, I think he won the election in oh eight. Yeah, I think he came into office in 09, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um,
0: how do you feel like all that matched up to like your so like after basic like, like when you're in the you know quote unquote like the like you're doing your thing in the army like how do you feel like all that matched up?
1: Yeah, so, well, for starters, um, nobody really knows what they're getting into. Like, you can watch videos, you can talk to people. You don't really know what you're getting into um, until you're there and, you know, you're wearing shorts sitting down on concrete when it's 35 degrees and you're just going to sit there for three and a half hours. Like, Oh, God. I mean, you you really have no idea. And um, as soon as we got there, so we got off the bus – you know they'd do the whole yelling at you do this whatever you go through and it i remember it was nighttime i don't remember if it was early morning or if it was late night i don't remember um but they're not going to let you sleep in your regular clothes like that first day your shit's gone so no matter what oh, time you're like getting when there you came dressed in yeah, yeah so like you get there you're right away you're going through the line to get your uh clothing and stuff yeah so while we were standing, a I want to say at Fort Benning, they called it 30th AG. It was kind of like the holdover where you're getting your shots. You're going through a last little physical. You're getting your gear issued. They're taking your personal items, all that stuff. Um, it's a couple days worth. So standing in formation, I happened to meet this guy, Darren Platt. And uh, Darren is a very close friend. I probably haven't talked to Darren since my wedding. Um, You just lose touch, but I would not have made it through BASIC without Darren. Darren was like an angel sent from God. It was amazing. Huh. So Darren had actually been through BASIC before, and he was infantry, and he his appendix ruptured or something, and he got out, and they called him back. So typically in the guard of the reserve, um, when you sign a contract – You sign, let's say it's a six-year contract. You're still signing for eight years. Every contract's eight years. So you sign for six, but in those two years, you don't do anything, but they can call you back if they need you. okay. So Darren got called back on that, along with like 50 other guys, and Darren was the only one that showed up, which was ridiculous. Nobody else showed up. How can you not show Uh, up? That's a, I don't know. I don't know. Darren was the only one that showed up. Okay. And when he showed up, he told him, he's like, I'll come back, but I'm not doing infantry. Like, you're going to let me pick another job, and I'll do it. So that's what they did, and they said it had been too long since he had been to BASIC, and he had been out for too long, so he had to go back to BASIC. So we're standing there, but every step of the way, Darren was in my ear. Hey, they're about to do this. Just don't be the last person. They're going to come over here. They're going to wrap all our stuff up. Just don't be the last person. And that's every step of the way, all along, he, he t- hey, they're going to do this. Hey, this is what's going to happen next. And he would kind of just tell me. So I skated right by the last week of basic. One of my starts looked and said, have you been here the whole time? That's what you want. Yeah. Anybody listening, if you're planning on going to the military, don't be last and don't be first. And don't be noticed. (laughs) Don't be noticed. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh. So you're and you were in you were
1: in for six, six years. I was in for 8. 8 years, 8 years. Um deployed for 2. Um I had one one deployment for 1 year.
0: Okay. Uh and you were in where were you deployed? Iraq. Okay. Um like an like a semi-active zone or like I just I'm curious about that experience. Yeah,
1: like- so I was on a major uh base, a US base. Um I say major. It was fairly large for some of the other smaller camps that we have. Um, We actually had Air Force there, which should tell you that it wasn't that bad. Air Force uh, (laughs) typically have really good housing and food. Um, So I would not necessarily say it was an active war zone. Um, It was a very well security wise. Okay. Um uh, we did still have to get up in the towers in sandstorms and stuff and you know you'd have mortars come in in the middle of the night and stuff. Yeah. Um but for the most part it was a lot safer than a lot of the other places.
0: How how do you I mean I like I'm not because i'm so I'm so far removed from any of that like anything like that, I've never had any experience like that, but like i so I'm not even sure like what the right questions are to ask uh, <laughs> yeah like, so that that was probably um the-,
1: the second major culture shock that I would say that I've had uh in my growing up. The first was um when I went to my first military school for civil affairs, we had a few um instructors that were really good, and um the first week he had set us aside and told us a lot of our job is we have to know other cultures. We have to know what offends them. We have to know what doesn't offend them. We have to know how they operate. You know, if you walk in um, to a town and you reach out with your right hand to shake somebody's hand, well in that town, your right hand might be disrespectful and you just disrespected them. And now the whole town's pissed at us. So um, he had told us that um, he was going to go to a different denomination church service every single week we did not have to go but if we wanted to join him he thought it would be good for us just on a very light note to see different cultures religion wise yeah. um, which was probably one of the best things I could say that I could have ever done um, was very eye-opening um, so that was probably the first culture shock the second was on deployment when we would go into towns and stuff um, when we go down into Baghdad and you know you see, a dude just smacking smacking some chick in the face, like right in the middle of the road, you know, burning trash in the middle of roads, different stuff like that. It's yeah. like yeah. I because mean, here in the US we are very far removed from seeing stuff like that on a daily basis. Yeah. Um so that was probably definitely the uh second culture shock that I've seen.
0: I like I can't I'm like trying to imagine it and I don't I don't feel like I can get anywhere close. Like I <clears throat> For anybody listening, like, anybody that's, like, traveled out of country, I think there's, like, a level of, oh, it's not just first world America and, like, everything's fine. You know, like... Right. People live differently. And it's it's not a judgment. Like, I'm not passing judgment on anything. I'm just saying, like, people live differently elsewhere. But it can be shocking to see how differently people live elsewhere. But then on... So you've got that, like, on top of, like, seeing shocking things, like some dude just abusing his wife probably like in the middle of the street and everybody's just fine with it. Cause that's what happens yep. or like, so you've got that on top of the fact that like you have mortars coming in overnight. Like,
1: yeah, there was actually an ongoing joke. So I guess, um, a lot of times what they would do is they'll take a mortar and put it in a mortar tube and they'll freeze it and they'll sneak out in the middle of the night and set it out. And then during the day, when it gets hot, it'll unthaw, it'll drop in the tube and go off. Oh, well, that's insane! A lot of times they they wouldn't go off, so there was like an ongoing joke with me and my buddies when we're going to the gym at night. Hey, don't get a concussion because you got hit in the head with a mortar. Like, because the odds are, if it lands, it's not going to go off. Yeah. Like, it was just a kind so of an ongoing joke.
0: They're doing this so they don't have to be there. So you don't where know the where they're at. Fired. Yep. Yep. So you don't. Crazy. You don't know
1: where they're at. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, we saw uh, little kids just beating the crap out of like cows and stuff, trying to get cows home. Just, just giant sticks, just like smacking these cows upside the head and stuff. It's kind of. That didn't really bother me. It, it absolutely made me laugh, though. I thought that was uh, super weird.
0: Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> it's just all of it. Like I, I mean, like U.S. farming is like, huh? Oh yeah, that's fine. We can we can stop. We can take a break and then. All right, yeah. Yeah, we can just take a break now. All right, cool. And then go ahead. I'll just pause it. Okay, so we're back. We had to take a little break, and now we're back. Um. Oh, yeah. So we're talking about uh, just, like, the culture shock and the difference. Just, tr- like, trying to wrap my head around and hopefully, like, the audience trying to wrap their head around, like, the experience of... Going Again, going from like a very sheltered sort of upbringing to an entirely different environment in the military. And then even another step further, now you're in the military in a different country. Your life is in danger, like maybe not every second of every day. Well, it sort of is, but like.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely definitely a lot different. Um, but I'd also say there's a probably I probably had some experiences that were some of the better that I've had. Um, uh, I mean, for one, I would have never listened to Michael Jackson if it wasn't for one of my friends I was deployed with. Well, that's that's reason enough. I mean, he's he's top five on my list. So, all right, that's pretty incredible.
0: You it took you (laughs) it took you going to another country. Yes, yes, I actually turned
1: twenty one. And um you turned twenty one overseas in iraq yeah
0: yeah wow, wow that's I didn't realize that that's yeah, crazy,
1: yeah,
0: man, but it took it took you going all the way over there to appreciate yeah absolutely. an American musical hero <laughs> huh. um what do you so then you that was if you were if you turned 21 overseas that was like a like just a couple years into your into your military career is when you deployed yes and then you spent a year over there and came back and finished out what do you feel like you're are are you are you glad you did it i'm just, i'm assuming you are i i feel like you, yeah, you absolutely. talk pretty positively about it what do you feel like what do you feel like you got out of i mean you got some career experience like some some practical work experience I'm sure out of it um like working on helicopters and like electrical stuff what like what, what do you feel yeah. what do you feel it taught you or like what do you feel you got out so, of it so i
1: would probably say the best thing that i got out of it was um it really blew my mind it was when i was in iraq when i realized some of these people that I've only known for a couple months, um, and have never been to church a day in their lives, are truly better people than some of the people I grew up with in church. Yeah, and have gone to church every day of their life. Um, that was like a huge shock for me, um, and it was definitely very eye-opening.
0: And you were—I mean, we were just talking about it earlier today—but like you were still, you were sort of like still sort of in. Like, that very, like, independent, fundamental Baptist, like, Christian mindset. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Going when I got it, back,
1: me and my wife still went there yeah. for a little while, yeah.
0: Um. So you're, like, you're also having to struggle with the idea that, like, people can be good people without, without that. Without, without like, church religion or religion, correct, yeah. Um, yeah, I, like, I can imagine... Just from my own experience, like, meeting people, like, when I was still in it and meeting people who were, like, atheists or whatever, and, like, just the nicest people in the world. And I'm like, well, that doesn't match up with everything that we were told for always. Um, Do you feel like, uh, like, when you, so you came back and then you still had, what, another, like, four, three, four or five years by the time you got back? Yeah. What do you, is it, is it hard for you to like, is it hard, not hard, but like, is it more difficult for you to relate to like civilians now? Like, now, like you had this experience and like, uh, you're still like, you talked about, what was, what was the guy's name in basic again? Darren. Darren. So you talk like, you talk about Darren, like you said, he's like one of your best friends, but like, and you haven't even talked in a while. Yeah. And like, but like those experiences like bond you. I'm sure like incredibly with the people that you spent that time with.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Is it hard for you to relate to like, like coming back, relate to civilians and like, is there a sense of like, is there a sense that they think of you differently or treat you differently because you're a vet or like, is it, is it just, is it hard to connect with?
1: I would say it's just more hard to connect. Um, I wouldn't say I quite have the issue now, at least not as prevalent um, as before. Uh, But honestly, probably the biggest thing that's hard to get over for a veteran, okay, remember this, next time you see a veteran while they're out, okay, public transportation, right? Mm -hmm. You're on an airplane, and the door opens, and you're on the plane for how long? Until it's empty. You got the old lady in front of you who can't get her purse unstuck. She's taking like 45 seconds to, you know, get in the aisle and walk, and... Nobody's walking off the plane. like Veterans will freak out at stuff like that, like the anxiety that you get from that. Because in the military, I mean, we've got a 52-passenger bus mm-hmm. that we're, we've we all got a rucksack with us, a 45-pound rucksack, and we're off that bus in like two and a half minutes. Yeah. So like veterans, that is one thing veterans cannot stand it's is like, how lackadaisical people are yeah. getting on and off the bus. They don't care that somebody behind you is waiting like, oh my, my purse got stuck. Ha ha. That was funny, wasn't it? Like, no. <laughs> how about you Dude, just get your ass off the plane?
0: <laughs> I tell Cecilia every time, like, we have a running joke now, and like it's it's it literally drives me the most crazy. Like when specifically when we're on a plane, but like we take a train like once a week too to Chicago. But when you're on a plane and the plane lands, and like the people that stand up, they feel like they have to stand up as soon as the plane comes to a stop. And you know that door is not going to open for another five, ten minutes, like, depending on, like, all the cross checks they have to do and everything. Like, the people that stand up immediately when the plane <laughs> lands, I'm like, you are the worst humans possible. <laughs> like, nobody's... Get, like, where are you going that you're in that much of a hurry? Like, we landed, bro. Calm down. <laughs> like, the all, all of us are in this plane until they open that door. Like, Jesus Christ. Like... <laughs> Ah, oh, those people that stand up immediately. And then those are the people that clog the aisle. And take forever. And yeah. Yeah.
1: You could ask my wife. We've actually started, um, we'll try and find a spot all the way in the back. That's what we usually do. And I will typically act like nothing has happened until my wife like taps me and says, All right, we're ready to go. Like I'll just sit there with my headphones in and my music playing and
0: yeah, same. Whatever, I'm just doing we just my chill thing. Until it's all clear. Until it's clear. Yeah. yeah. And then we're like, okay, yeah. we're gonna go. That's what I do now. Did you did you um possibly not? And I'm not like I'm not trying to like over dramatize anything of dramatize, dramatize, whatever the word is. <laughs> uh did you like coming back, did you struggle with any, any sort of like PTSD or like anything like that? Or like how is how is the transition back home
1: um, from deployment? I would say initially I didn't really suffer with anything. Um I'd rather not get into too many details. Oh, that's fine. Um but originally when we came back, again I was still really young and I actually got married on my two week leave. Like, got married, got went on a honeymoon and then I went back to Iraq. Got it. Okay. Um so when I came back, I mean I was just happy to see grass and yeah. you know, my friends again. Um, it was a little bit difficult readjusting because for me, my life paused, mm. but everybody else their life it's been a year yeah, like their yeah. lives moved a lot um so that was a little bit uh interesting to kind of readjust to but
0: how how do you feel like we as civilians can can t- like do our part? to help because I like, I, I don't know why, but I like, I get the sense like m- my dad was in the Navy um, like before I was born, but my dad was in the Navy. My uncles both served in the military. I think my grandpa did too. Um, you yeah, know, we like, we've both had friends who have like parents in the military and then they went into the military. You were in the military, Moses and like a few other guys that I knew, you know, went in. How, how can we as civilians better? Like, relate like to veterans like there's I, cause it, it just seems like there's some sort of a, like when I meet a veteran, I'm like, I'm, I'm more than happy. Like, I'm like, Hey, thank you for your service. But I, th- I think from the civilian side too, it's like, I don't know why, but there's sometimes there's like this perception of like, Oh, that's a scary person now because like they did scary person things.
1: Yeah. I mean, but I feel like that's kind of with, with any kind of, uh, mental illness as well there's definitely a stigma around it well yeah definitely um and most people just kind of want to avoid that um that's kind of how a lot of people have feelings about veterans um i don't really know that there's too much that civilians can do to help even make the transition better or um i don't really know if there is a right answer for that huh um obviously As the stigma starts to fade away, things will gradually get better. Sure. Um, I'm going to tell you one of my biggest pet peeves now.
0: I love it. Do it.
1: So one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, oh, I support our veterans or I support our military. Right. Okay. I guess what brings me to bring it up is the whole NFL kneeling during the anthem and all that. And I don't know why it bothers me so much, but just you saying, "Oh, I support our military," like that—that's not doing anything.
0: That You're right. absolutely You're nothing. Right. Well, that's that's part of why I wanted to ask the question because, like, it's, I it's important, I think, for civilians. Like, I I did not have that experience. I'm grateful that people are willing to have that experience because, like, that, like, that's good for me. Right. That other people are willing to do that. Right. But that's why I asked that question. Like, how do we, how do we help? I guess, how do we like show our appreciation? How do we help? Because you're right. Saying, I support our right. veterans. Right. It doesn't really do anything. It's just fucking words. Right. So, I
1: mean, there's, there are charities out there that do help veterans. I mentioned to you earlier about uh, the company that trains oh, service right. dogs for veterans uh, with PTSD. Um, I'll try and stuff like that. I'll is, try
0: and link some of those in the show notes too.
1: Yeah, that'd Since be awesome. About him, but, um, yeah. but this whole... I know you saw it on Facebook, the I stand for the flag and kneel at the cross or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's been all okay. kinds of stuff like that going on. So,
1: around. if my mom listens to this, she's going to be really upset with me. Sorry, Mrs. Reichelt. Um, so, like... I don't even completely understand that. So you're trying to say that kneeling at the cross is a sign of respect, but kneeling for the flag is a sign of disrespect. That doesn't really—you can't have it both ways. See, like the, the problem that doesn't make Brad any sense
0: is that you're trying to use logic.
1: I'm, am just, just telling <laughs> you. So I would also like to clarify that uh, Colin Kaepernick actually started by sitting.
0: Yep, and he was—he was told
1: by a vet he was asked to kneel as a sign of respect. He was told by a vet that it's better to kneel. And they did it for respect. I
0: can't remember that guy's
1: name, Um, but I, I know who
0: you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So all of that stuff really bothered me. I stayed super quiet. Like I don't talk with my family, especially about it, but like everybody getting all up in arms and all upset. And it's like, okay, yeah, you don't, you don't kneel when the national anthem stands. That does nothing for veterans. That does nothing for our military. It doesn't do anything for our country. Like, are you donating time to a charity? Are you donating mudding to a charity? Like, those are the things that matter. So, well, the the reasoning
0: behind the kneel, from what I understand, um, is that, like, you would kneel for, like, a fallen brother. You would kneel out of respect for, like, you know, like, a fallen comrade or, like, you, you kneel out of respect. And so the idea there was, like, hey, totally understand what you're doing and it's needed, but, like. Sitting is seems lazy, so like kneeling instead seems a lot more respectful. And so Colin was like, Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, so I absolutely.
1: I also would like to say I that I am probably the minority when it comes to veterans who feel that way. I know you feel like most
0: veterans are against it,
1: yes. Most veterans would think it's disrespectful. Um, I think that's more ignorance, though. I think that's more they didn't really know what was going on in the backstory or anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's probably.
0: You don't feel like personally affronted though by people like choosing to kneel during the national anthem? Or not
1: like, not at all. Not even a little bit.
0: Do, do you feel like do you feel like it's like I so I'll tell you how I feel and you can agree or disagree because I don't want to like put words in your mouth. <laughs> I was about to ask a question that was like leading and I realized it. I I just I can't I can't wrap my head around the idea that like a person kneeling during the national anthem equates to them not respecting our military or our veterans or our flag or our country or what our country was founded on. I just, I can't put those two ideas together because they don't, I can't find a way to relate those things. Like me, me choosing to kneel during the national anthem for a specific reason that has nothing to do with like, it's about police brutality. It's not about like,
1: yeah, I military. think that, I think that goes along the same lines. I mean, we're talking about the same people, who are trying to protest a protest. Yeah, yeah. I mean someone comes at you with black lives matter and you're hollering back, well all lives all matter. Lives, it's yeah. you're protesting a protest like yes, nobody is you know arguing no, not all lives matter. Like right. they're just trying We're addressing to addressing a current problem. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean you're talking about the same kind of people. They're going to they're going to believe their way yeah, until well, they I die.
0: I hadn't thought about it that, like, I hadn't thought about it in those terms of, like, protesting a protest, but you're right. And, that, like, that is so counterproductive. There's, like, there's, I can't think of many things that are less productive than protesting a protest. Yeah. Because then, I mean, it just.
1: You're trying to oh, take the voice from thing. somebody else. Yeah. And you're trying to say that your voice matters more than theirs. Yeah. Like. Yeah. That's incredibly that's, ignorant. I, I can't even comprehend it. Me either
0: um okay so uh yeah man i like i I appreciate you talking about all that and i know like like i told you before we started recording like we can talk about whatever you're comfortable with and i'm like i'm glad you at one point were like i don't you know not too many details but like here's like broad strokes i just the reason to make it clear the reason like i'm asking any of these questions is not because i'm like trying to get like Juicy content for the podcast. But like, I I do think it's important for, I think it's important for, for veterans to have a voice and say like, this is what it was like. This is what we experienced. And like, please like don't do these things or please do these things. Like, I think that's important, but it's also important for like the other side of it. Like me as a civilian and the rest of us civilians to hear like, you know, like, Hey, when you say I support our troops, like that, Sounds like bullshit. Like, I mean, do something. I,
1: no, 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 absolutely. It, I wouldn't say just necessarily sounds like bullshit. I mean, it's just... It doesn't do anything. Think about it sometime. Yeah. I mean, actually do something. Yeah. I mean, you could send gift packages to deployed soldiers. You can send Christmas cards. You can send birthday cards. And that, um,
0: from what I understand, that information is not hard to get. Like, nope. you can reach out to your
1: local you could probably walk into any armory around here. Yeah. There's I can think of five right off the top of my head. Just walk in and let them know, hey, I'm trying to send some care packages. They'll get you a phone number of somebody. You're they're not gonna give you an an exact address or anything. Right. They'll get you in contact with somebody who is sending stuff and you can just get your stuff to them. I mean it's very it is fairly simple.
0: Maybe I'll I'll include some of that information to you. I will also
1: say I feel like the vast majority of military who have PTSD don't realize they have PTSD. I don't think, I think there's a lot of people who suffer and don't even know. So yeah. Interesting. I bet it's a very high percentage. Is it, is it,
0: is there easy access to help if you need it or is it,
1: There is, um, there is easy access, seek it out, but there's still, you have to seek it out and there is still the stigma. So we've also grew up in a generation where men don't have feelings and if they do, they kind of suppress them. Um, so you've got to deal with that and then throw in, you know, military experiences, you know, it compounds all of it. Um. So there are definitely places. I mean, the VA—you can talk to somebody at the VA; they'll get you right in. Yeah, um, they've I've actually,
0: got. I've heard that the VA, like that stuff, is getting much, much better these days. It is too, getting. It, it is getting
1: much better, um, especially if there's something um, to do with mental illness. Um, they have a timeline; they have to stick to. I want to say it's 48 hours. If you contact them, they have 48 hours to get you in to talk to somebody, hmm. um, and there's hotlines you can text, phone numbers you can call for military. Good. Um there's a crisis hotline, there's a suicide hotline. Yeah. They're all very helpful. Man, it's so
0: important. Like just obviously definitely for military, but I think just in general like we talked about that stigma a couple times already and like I don't understand I can't understand passing moral judgment on something that somebody has no control over like people don't choose to be depressed and people don't choose to people don't choose to have PTSD if they have it and people don't like people don't choose to have like issues with with how they think or function or anything like anyone would choose to not have to deal with that um i think it's i don't know i just i can't understand a society that like ju- passes moral judgment on a medical condition We don't like Judge people for having
1: Here you go I'll cancer. give you the uh, Military crisis text line You oh, can here we go. Uh, so Give the number
0: So I'll um, Screenshot If you phone can Screenshot and that And text. send it to me too But I'm gonna I'm gonna say it here And then I wanna put it In the show notes too uh, So Phone number you can call Is 1-800-273-8255 And press 1 It says uh, Or you can text 838-255 838-255 um thank you. Uh it's just it's crazy to me to to like to pass judgment moral judgment on a on a medical condition. It's it's insane. We don't like we don't judge people for having pneumonia or <laughs> right. you know or like, having heart disease. Yeah, or cancer. Like, yeah. oh you have cancer? Oh, what the fuck is wrong with like come on man. Yeah. Like just, just get better. Just choose to get better. Like we don't, you know. That's great. That's just get over it already. I was going to say it's it crazy. That seems a little distasteful, but yeah, it's just not okay. It's not okay to, to act like that about that. Um, cool, man. Well, I I appreciate you talking about it, and I hope I hope that part of all of this is is helpful to whomever's listening. I would like, I again, I think it's good for people on the other side of it to have insight and and sort of like hear some of that. No, you know, just to know, to, I guess, empathize and connect and everything. Um, okay. So one other thing that I wanted to make sure we, we talk about is uh, a conversation that you and I had recently. And I'm so excited. I'm, I don't know why I'm so excited about this, but I'm really excited about this. I'm super
1: excited too.
0: And I think it's a really cool idea. So I'm going to let you explain it. Um, and then we can talk about it a little bit. And I, like, I just, I really love the idea. Yeah,
1: so I had reached out to you um, to tell you about this crazy idea that I had. Um, So I wholeheartedly feel like cutting hair and shaving is a complete waste of time and money. I absolutely believe that. Um, My personal opinion, I don't care how I look. I don't care what people think about how I look. Um, But I really feel like it's a waste of time and it's a waste of money. So I reached out to you and had mentioned that I'm going to go a specific amount of time without cutting my hair, without shaving, but I'm going to take the time that the average person spends doing those things Mm -hmm. and I'm going to set that time aside. I'm going to set that amount of money aside. And, um, at the end of that time, I'm going to donate the money to a charity, um, which we'll talk about another time when we actually choose Mm -hmm. something. Um... And I'm going to take the amount of time that I would have spent doing those things to do something that is um, we'll say self-help, whether it's reading a book, learning a new skill, um, taking some time to relax. I don't know. Pretty much anything to focus on us like yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And I am super excited about it. its I think it's idea. an
0: amazing idea. It's a, re- it's a really like, it's a really simple idea, but it's, I love that idea so much. There's a lot of intentionality behind it. Um, I, th- I think what you said first when you texted me was like, hey, I have a crazy idea or something. And I think I said something like, I love crazy ideas. Let yep. me hear it. Yep. Um, and I, th- I think to a lot of people listening, they're going to be like, you're going to not, you're what? You're yeah. going to not cut your hair for right. <laughs> how long? Uh, or shave your beard for how long? But like,
1: it's too bad this isn't a video because they could see my. Uh, oh yeah, you already very already terrible, terrible beard and
0: so hockey um, hair. I I had to talk to the wife um, when we discussed doing this, but like she like is like you know tentatively on board, um, and so I'm gonna do this with you. But like I I had to get a fresh cut. I just got a fresh cut yesterday, uh-huh. so that I could like start you know because um, I was already a little shaggy. And you are just rolling with it. You've yes. already You've already got this started. Yeah.
1: So I don't know the last time I cut my hair. Um, I know it has not been. Actually, no, I do know the last time I cut my hair. When I went to that charity event with Tom in July. Okay. I cut my hair before I went because I didn't want everybody to ask Tom why he brought a homeless guy with him.
0: So it's been at least five months. Okay.
1: Yeah. So that was the last time. That's, some that's pretty, probably that's the last time I months. shaved and cut my
0: hair Nice So I I got I got a fresh cut Yesterday um, I'm gonna I am gonna My beard's a little longer Than it normally is So I'm gonna trim my beard One more time And then That's it For Did we decide How long Specifically We, ha- we have
1: not decided How long um, What do you think Is a, like a good goal For this Well I've already done A year oh, When yeah. my contract Expired with the military I told my wife I wasn't cut my hair For a year I actually have a picture I'll show you of when Carly was born. And it was, that was only a couple months. I think I remember. June. So it was from November to June.
0: I think I remember you had like, you, like had really, really, long yeah, hair. my so wife yeah. looks
1: like a million bucks and I look like I'm homeless. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I went an entire year before I cut it. Actually, I think it was like almost a year and a month. Um,
0: I think the longest I've ever done is like maybe six months. My okay. hair is Fairly shaggy at one point, but I think it's the longest I've ever done. So
1: yeah, I mean we'll we'll come up with something.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna say tentatively maybe six months. Okay. As, like I, a, hey, as you gotta like start. Bowl. You
1: gotta start somewhere. So
0: um, but yeah. So two things I I love about this. I was just telling you at lunch. One, I hate getting haircuts anyway because it is like it's lost time. Like it's time that you're spending. To have somebody else do something For it. like it's it's Kind of like getting your oil changed in your car Like it's a, that's a necessary evil But like you, you, that you're like just Waiting for however long Until somebody can change the oil in your car Unless you do it yourself But then you're still taking the time to do it yourself yeah. uh-huh. So like there's the one Just the time aspect is that sucks Two I hate Being stuck in a chair <clears throat> With a person Stranger or not whether you know them or not You're stuck in a chair for, like, 30, 40 minutes, however long it takes, and you're, like, trapped in this, like, small talk bubble. And, like, if they, like, want to ask questions about, like, hey, you got plans this weekend? Like, this (laughs) most stupid, inane, nobody cares questions. And if you want to not be rude, you have to answer those questions. And if you want to, like even more not be rude you have to ask those questions back you have to be like how about you what do you have planned and then you have to pretend to care about their answers i hate i hate small talk i hate it i love so i love
1: the did you work today yeah yeah uh it's four o'clock on a tuesday yes susan i work today i don't i'm not made of money like i wouldn't be getting my hair cut here if i I did like that's how yes i I worked today yes of course I did.
0: Um when have I ever said no to that question, lady? Yeah. Uh so that's the other part that I hate too. Like I I have always dreaded and like I like my barber now. And I like where I go and it's got a full bar upstairs. And it's fantastic. It's a really cool place. I still hate getting my hair cut. <laughs> because I don't like being trapped in like small talk situations. I hate small talk. I can't stand it. It literally makes my skin crawl. I don't like it. So I'm excited about this for that reason, but also because of the intentionality behind like setting that time aside and like doing something constructive with it and setting that money aside and doing something constructive with it. Like, I love that idea and I love, so after we like do this together, solidarity and all um, for like however long we decide to do this and like we figure out like, Okay, this it this is what worked about it, this is what didn't. Maybe we can like adjust from there or whatever. And then I love the idea of like taking this like beyond the two of us and like
1: yeah, recruiting other people. Absolutely. And now we're not talking about like in a magazine, GQ magazine, a nice trimmed up beard or anything. We're talking yeah. like literally untouched. Yes, untouched. Yep. Neck, it is what it is. All. I mean, you could see my now my sideburns are like three inches long. Yeah, they just kind of stick straight out. Yeah, but like, we're yeah, neckbeard and all. Like, I, yeah.
0: I like I trim I trim my neck because I don't like having a neck beard. But yeah, we're talking like on natural, like not not shaping your hair, not like trimming your hair or anything. Yeah. Like, no scissors, no beard trimmer, no razor, no nothing for what like six months. Six or months. Yep. Um, I just that's a cool idea to me. Yeah. Uh, I just I really like it, so I'm excited to try this, and then. Yeah, we can like do individual charities, or we can like go in on one or whatever, yeah. um, and figure that out. That'll be cool too. But uh, yeah, and then like hopefully, like after our trial run, we can like expand it to other people and be like, hey, this was a cool thing that we did, and like to me, just the idea, like like I was saying earlier, like a five hundred guy, like five hundred guys, that's not a, that's not a lot, no, really, but like just five hundred guys doing this. And like, I don't know what what would you say the average somebody spends on a haircut, like what like once a month the average guy gets a haircut maybe probably like twenty bucks once a month. Oh yeah, on least. average. So like that's twenty times twelve. That's like two hundred and forty bucks right a year. <coughs> two hundred forty bucks. So like a hundred and twenty if if we're talking about six months, hundred and twenty bucks times five guys. Like that's a decent chunk of change. Five hundred guys. That's a decent chunk of change to like donate someplace like that's yeah. that could do a lot of good <clears throat> i don't know why i'm like coughing all of a sudden but that's just that's a really cool idea yeah i love it so yeah i'm excited to try it we should come up with like a clever name for it we should um you know there's like no shave november and like or some people call it Movember for like mustache november I think yeah what you do. <clears throat> so we'll have to like come up with a name for it or something but like Definitely. I, I was trying to think of one uh, like right now, like I on can, the fly. I can't be, yeah. I can't be that clever <laughs> that quickly. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to try that. So that'd be cool. Um, how do you feel? Like, is there anything else that you wanted to make sure we talked about? Any like anything else you've been like thinking about that you want to make sure we covered? Or I don't think so. I almost feel bad that all we talked about was like your your military experience because you're more than <laughs> you're more than just like a person who is a veteran. Um, but yeah. I I do think that's important. There's only so much time. So, well, maybe we'll have to have you back or something. We can talk about the other aspects of your personality and character
1: and absolutely
0: personhood. (laughs) You're a dad. I am a dad. You got one on the way. Yeah. One daughter and one on the way. Yeah. But yeah, man, I appreciate you doing this. Um, Yeah. Like any, do you have anything that like you want to plug or anything? I'm going to, I'm going to put some of these charities in the show notes. Um, but like anything you want to like shout out, or you want people to know, or
1: no, not really. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, I give uh, Tom's podcast a shout out. Oh yeah, go for it. Tom, check, check out uh, the Good Success podcast. They do have some pretty good uh, people that they interview there. A lot more exciting than me, at least. <laughs> well, I don't know. About it's mostly that. for uh, real estate investment, uh, but yeah, it's called Good Success.
0: Very like entrepreneurial. Yeah. Um yeah, I've actually listened to some of their stuff. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um yeah, right on. I'll uh you know, I'll link I'll link Tom's podcast to you in the show notes. We'll just plug everything. Why not? It'll be great. <laughs> um well cool man. I think I think we can wrap it up then if you want. Yeah, we're sounds gonna, good. We're, we're drinking some uh Johnny Walker black
1: label. Double black double label double black yeah. label
0: scotch, so that's delicious. And we're gonna smoke some some bourbon barrel aged cigars uh, here in a second too. So I'm excited to get to those. I am too. Take off. Not uh, not
1: quite as exciting as uh, Elon Musk smoking weed on. Uh... We'll get there. We'll get
0: there. <laughs> I I also haven't made a uh, consumer flamethrower either.
1: So that's true. Yeah, we'll so. definitely get working on that though.
0: Yeah. Um, right, man. Well, thanks for doing this. And, uh, people listening, uh, I hope this was helpful and enjoyable, uh, and, um, say hi to a vet next time you run into one and tell them you appreciate them. And, uh, yeah, just be kind to people, I guess, in general. Be nice. Yeah. Be nice. Um, cool. So I'm going to wrap it up and stop rambling. Uh, until next week, be good to each other. Okay, so an addendum to our uh, podcast. I don't know why, but I forgot to ask Brad the question that we ask everybody on the podcast, which is what what do you feel like it means to be a good human or what is being a good human to you? It's a big question. There's no wrong answer. but And it's also like, not to put you on the spot, but yeah, go for it.
1: All right, so I would probably say to me... Um, being nice to other people and going out of your way to help someone else, even if it's inconvenience to you, to me, that is like what being a good human would be, like go out of your way, inconvenience yourself, help somebody else. I like it. I like that
0: answer. Perfect. Okay. So now we're really going to sign off for real. I don't know why in the world. I, that's the one question I ask everybody and I forgot to ask it on the main part of the recording. So I recorded this on my phone. So there you go. All right. Bye, everybody.